The Lord reminds the people that righteousness is about justice more than correct religious observance. Fasting and worship is accompanied by oppression is not righteous or pleasing to God. A reading from the book of the prophet Isaiah. Shout out, do not hold back. Lift up your voice like a trumpet. Announce to my people their rebellion to the house of Jacob, their sins. Yet day after day they seek me and delight to know my ways, as if they were a nation that practiced righteousness and did not forsake the ordinance of their God. They ask me righteous judgments. They they, They delight to draw near to God. Why do we fast, but you do not see? Why humble ourselves, but you do not notice? Look, you serve your own interest on your fast day and oppress all your workers. Look, you, only, you fast only to quarrel and to fight and to strike with a wicked fist. Such fasting as you do today will not make your voice heard on high. Is such the fast that I cho- choose a day to humble oneself? Is it to bow down the head like a bulrush and to lie in sackcloth and ashes? Will you call this fast a day acceptable to the Lord? It is not the fast that I chose to loose the bonds of injustice, to undo the thongs of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free, and to break every yoke. It is not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless and to bring and bring the homeless poor into your house. When you see the naked to cover them and not to hide yourself from your kin. Then your light shall break forth like dawn, and your healing shall spring up quickly. Your vindicators shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call, and the Lord will answer. You shall cry for help, and he will say, Here I am. If you remove the yoke from among you, the pointing of the finger, the speaking of evil, if you offer your food to the hungry and satisfy the needs of the afflicted, then your light shall rise in the darkness and your gloom be like the noonday. The Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your needs in parched places and make your bones strong. And you shall be like a watered garden, like a spring of water whose waters never fail. Your ancient ruins shall be rebuilt. You shall rise up the you shall raise up the foundations of many generations. You shall be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of the streets to live in. Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people. Paul reminds the Corinthians that his proclamation was based upon the power of God rather than human wisdom, and he encourages them to recognize the wisdom of God revealed through the Spirit. A reading from the first letter of Paul to the Corinthians. When I came to you, brothers and sisters, I did not come proclaiming the mystery of God to you in lofty words or wisdom. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And I came to you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. My speech and my proclamation were not with plausible words of wisdom, but with a demonstration of the Spirit and of power, so that your faith might rest not on human wisdom, but on the power of God. Yet among the mature we do not speak wisdom, 
Though it is not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are doomed to perish. perish. But we speak God's wisdom, secret and hidden, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this. For if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the human heart conceived, what God has prepared for those who loved him. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For what human being knows what is truly human, except the human spirit that is within? So also no one comprehends what is truly God's, except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the the world, but the Spirit that is from God so that we may understand the gifts bestowed to us by God. And we speak of these things in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual things to those who are spiritual. Those who are unspiritual do not receive the gifts of God's Spirit, for they are foolishness to them, and they are unable to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. Those who are spiritually discerned all... Those who are spiritual discern all things, and they are themselves subject to no one else's scrutiny. For who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. The Holy Gospel of our Savior Jesus Christ according to Matthew. Glory Glory to you, Lord Christ. Jesus said, You are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how can its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything, but is thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hid. No one, after lighting a lamp, puts it under a bushel basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have come not to abolish, but to fulfill. For truly I tell you, until heaven and earth pass away, not one letter, not one stroke of a letter, will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Be seated, please. How many of us are tired of snow? There was a joke going around the internet. It was a picture of a church sign with the snow stacked up almost to the bottom of the church sign. And on the sign it said, whoever's praying for snow, please stop. (laughs) That's kind of how we feel. I think it's because Easter is really late this year. Easter falls on April 24th. April 25th is the absolute latest Easter can come. 
Um, you know, it's the first Sunday after the first full moon after the vernal equinox, and so if all of those things line up, you can get pretty late. We will never see Easter late again in our lifetime, this late again in our lifetime. It's, it's way, way out there. Which, of course, means Lent starts late, um, which means that we're getting all of the season after Epiphany. This is the fifth Sunday after Epiphany. Typically, we get up to about the fourth Sunday after Epiphany and then jump to the last Sunday after Epiphany and go into Lent. So we're hearing some scriptural readings that we don't ordinarily get to hear on Sunday mornings. This Old Testament passage is one of those scriptural readings assigned for Ash Wednesday. Um, It's my favorite on Ash Wednesday. The other Old Testament is Joel, which talks about how we need to beat ourselves up and feel really bad for our sins, and then maybe God will turn around and pay attention to us. And this is saying exactly the opposite. That's not the kind of fast I want, to sit in sackcloth and ashes, all of that. But to relieve oppression, to take care of the poor, What's going on, this is being written at a time when the exiles had returned from Babylon to Jerusalem, and they were very excited to get back and thought things were going to go great, they were going to restore their old glory just instantly. Everything would be wonderful, they'd rebuild the temple. Well, of course, what happens is everybody got back and had to take care of their their own needs first and do their farming and whatever, and things did not go so quickly. People got very, very discouraged. Ezra and Nehemiah, who were the official leaders, decided that what needed to happen was to call a fast and figure out what they'd done wrong, what they had done to displease God, that things weren't going as quickly as they had hoped for. Well, the solution that they came up with was that all of the men, and it was only men who counted, sorry women, had married foreign women. They had diluted the holy people. And therefore, the solution that they struck on was to have all of the men divorce those foreign women, send them home with their children. Gee, not a really happy kind of solution. And Isaiah is saying, not so fast. Not so fast. Let's redefine what God means by righteousness. Righteousness isn't about keeping us pure, keeping us clean, keeping us following the rules but about including everyone who's here. The hungry, when you see the hungry, feed them. When you see the poor, don't just take care of them. Bring them into your home. And when you see the naked, clothe them. And don't turn in shame from your own kin. The word that's translated kin is a pun. It can mean both your relationship, kin, and your flesh. So don't turn in shame from your own nakedness. You and they are the same. Redefine what you mean by righteousness to mean relationship. Then God will hear you when you call. Then you will be called the repairer of the breach and the restorer of streets to live in. Then Jerusalem will come back. Jesus is doing essentially the same thing in the Sermon on the Mount. He's redefining righteousness. He says, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. And he goes on, we're going to hear this probably next Sunday, and says, you've heard it said that whoever kills is liable for punishment. But I say to you, whoever's angry at his brother is liable for punishment. You have heard it said whoever commits adultery is liable for punishment. 
But I say to you, whoever looks on a woman with lust in his heart is already liable for punishment. Remember Jimmy Carter? He got in big trouble for that, admitting in an interview that he had looked at a woman with lust in his heart. As a kid growing up, that's what I thought righteousness was, keeping all of the rules. And I thought, oh boy, I'm in big trouble. Um, This is never going to happen for me. But Jesus says this right after the, the Beatitudes in the Sermon on the Mount. How honorable are the poor. How honorable are the hungry. How honorable are those who mourn. These are the people that you should hold up for honor in your community. Just like the naked in in, um, Isaiah. Don't turn away in shame. Include these. So righteousness is not about following the rules, but about establishing relationship. And he starts out by saying, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. The way you live together should be an example to everyone. I love the image of salt. If you know me, you know I don't cook with a lot of salt. Shelley and I were married 10 years before we bought a single canister of salt. We'd each come in with one, and I just don't use it that often. But have you ever made lentil soup without salt? It is not good. Um, You've got to put salt in it. It just doesn't taste right. You are the salt of the earth. The purpose of salt is to make the world tasty. The way you live together makes the world tasty. And it's not about keeping yourself distinct from everyone out there, like Ezra and Nehemiah thought, keeping yourself separate from the nations. You put salt in something, you can never get it back out. It dissolves. It goes into the soup that you're putting it in. We are the salt of the earth. We are supposed to be so much at one with everything out there, with all that God loves, that we make it tasty and can never get ourselves separate from it. Righteousness is not about following the rules, not about keeping ourselves distinct from one another, but about giving the world flavor, about relationship that makes it a tasty place to be. You are the salt of the earth. Be dissolved out there. Make it tasty. That's what we're supposed to be about. Amen.